point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And uh, recording this on Wednesday of Holy Week. Uh, Spy Wednesday. Spy Wednesday, the gospel reading we had from Matthew, uh, in which Judas uh, goes to the chief priests, and, and what will you give me if I hand him over to you? Uh, and then it leads right up, I, actually, I think, frankly, the beginning of the Last Supper was in the gospel account, for, wasn't it, Father? Yep. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to, Father and I are going to do today is is talk a little bit about the, well, well not just the Triduum, the, the, the holiest time of the year, the, the, the sacred three days, which begins Thursday at, at sundown and goes through Sunday. Uh, but we're also going to talk about um, uh, tomorrow morning, so to speak. Uh, we're, we're, what we're going to do is look at the, the various liturgies that, that comprise the, the end of, of Holy Week and leading up to Easter. Uh, but before we get into the t- today's topic, um, as, as you know, if you've, if you've heard the show before, uh, Father and I always appreciate any listener feedback, any ideas that you might have for future episodes, um, topics, questions about past or current episodes of Ignition. Uh, you can uh, contact us at my email address, and the address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And also you can find past episodes of, of our show on on, on the Diocesan website as well. That's at www.sfcatholic.org. And under the multimedia media section, you'll find the audio of previous episodes of Ignition. So, Father, how's your Holy Week going so far? Uh, full of confessions. Full of confessions. Uh, the college students try to offer about eight hours of confession time uh, in the works uh, this week and just try to get... Uh, you know, as many college students as I can in the door and out the door. I imagine that most of them, the college students, go go are gone for Easter. I presume, right? Right. They have uh, a three day break. Uh, they used to have a four day break, but now just a three day break. Um, and so certainly they go to be with family, which is appropriate. It's nice that they can be with family for. Uh, the Easter uh, celebration. You know, this is definitely, especially with, of course, Christmas as well. I think for for lay people, you know, it's a time of relaxation and and so on. We, my family and I, we we try to get to to most of the liturgies. Um, but then, <laughs> on the other hand, the, the 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 life of a priest, especially a, a a parish priest, but I think priests in general, because I know you help out some places, uh, it's a little bit busy for you. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot to do, and but then again, you have an excuse to then be lazy on Easter Monday. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Well, I only work 52 days a week, or 52 days a year anyways. That's right. Sunday, I mean, so. you know. <laughs> really, you know, it's not that hard. Sunday, now I just throw in a couple more, you know, I'll make it 60, it sounds good. Right, I mean, even 60, it's, it's just, you know, it's pretty doable. <laughs> Oh, perpetuation of more stereotypes, Father. In the society, the propagation of stereotypes, this is ignition. 
<laughs> so again, we're, what we want to do is, is look at the various liturgies and, and uh, for reasons that will be made clear, I use that word deliberately. There are many masses, of course, over the, as we're recording this, the days ahead, Holy Thursday through Easter Sunday, but not just masses. Um, and, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But the, the first one, first up uh, is, is the Chrism Mass. And in our diocese, Father and I have talked about this in years past, um, because Father, like uh, many of his, uh, most of his brother priests, uh, makes the trek to Sioux Falls to uh, the cathedral to, to celebrate the Chrism Mass with, with our bishop, with, with Bishop Paul Swain. So, Father, what, what exactly is, for somebody maybe who's never, maybe somebody who's not Catholic, a listener who, who's listened to Ignition on the radio and has, uh, isn't Catholic and has never heard of the Chrism Mass, or maybe a Catholic who, had just, anybody who hasn't heard of it, what is the Chrism Mass? What's it about? Well, the Chrism Mass gets its name from a Chrism oil, which is used uh, at confirmations, baptisms, ordinations. And uh, this oil and other oils are blessed at the Chrism Mass uh, by the bishop each year. And because there's uh, kind of this already air of priestly service ministry, uh, uh, this idea of that in the air, it's also an occasion where priests renew their their promises that they made at their ordination, and, uh, uh, and other oils are blessed as well, the oil used for the sick and things like that. And so uh, it kind of just becomes a, a, a coverall event in that way for some of those different aspects of ch- Christian and Catholic life. Right. So, and if you look at, you know, quote unquote, by the book, the, 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 the Roman Missal um, with the prayers and the instructions for Mass, this is a Mass that, that most ideally is celebrated on, on the morning of Holy Thursday, but, but uh, permission is, is granted um, and, and taken in, most ca- in many cases <laughs> in dioceses like our own where, you know, so what I studied in Rome and, and, and that's uh, in Rome, of course, uh, this Mass is celebrated Holy Thursday morning, but the, the furthest any priest has to travel, I think, is maybe an hour. A diocese, diocese like ours, which is very large geographically, I mean, we have priests who have, it's it's three and a half, close to four hours for uh, some of them. Five hours, actually, probably five. for uh, Mo, the well, town of Mobridge. There we go, yeah. So, so um, permission is given, and again, in our case, taken to celebrate <laughs> it previously. So in our diocese, I think it was uh, two weeks ago on Holy Thursday, two weeks ago tomorrow for us recording this, I think, Father, when when we celebrated Chrism Mass, right? Isn't that right? Right, yeah. So it was back on the... Um Third of April. April third. So, so we celebrated then. So, Father, day of the snowpocalypse. Yes, that never came. That never happened. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, Father, for you as a priest participating in that renewing your promise, and I, by the way, I think it's you know just worth highlighting as well. You you refer to the promises you make when you're ordained. Uh, diocesan priests do not uh, take vows or, or make vows. You make promises. Any any what's the distinction there? Any. Oh, well, a good systematic theologian could probably tell the difference um, between... There's not one of those available, unfortunately, so... Oh, well, okay. Well, then I guess... uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, That's a question you didn't prepare me for. Yeah, no, I know. It just occurred to me when you said that. And to be honest, I I, I don't know right now it is. So maybe we'll have to get back to our listeners on that one. There is a distinction. I can't remember right now what it is. Honestly, I think it's just a... 
a, a matter of greater solemnity, but but a vow is certainly more solemn than a promise. Yeah, right? yeah, but uh, but but when when the rubber meets the road, they're both serious, right? <laughs> right. At the end of the day, you know, it's not like a priest can say, "Well, I mean, you know, bishop, they were just promises, not like I vowed obedience to you." Right. So, so the, the, those, those who do take vows, obviously, uh, a married couple when they when they wed one another, we we make vows, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, religious when they uh, are. are are, when they profess, make their profession, they make vows. But diocesan priests, diocesan uh, permanent deacons, um, make promises. And promises. I, I, again, when the rubber meets the road, does, <laughs> Father can't get out of his promises more easily than I can get out of my vows. So no. Um, but but there is a distinction, and we'll get back to you on it. Right? Sound good, Father? That sounds great. Okay, good. Sounds great. I was going to get kind of nerdy on your uh, marriage <laughs> vows, but I, but I won't. Okay, I look forward to hearing that after we record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so for you as a priest, renewing those promises at Chrism Mass, any 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 particular is that a or how is that a, 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 I don't know, a special moment for you as a priest? Oh, it's just it's important. You know, you think uh, there's a great connection actually with Easter, that at Easter all Catholics should be using Lent uh, as a time to prepare to renew their baptismal promises, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just think there's a nice correspondence in that regard that a priest renews his priestly vows right. before he leads his flock uh, in the renewal of their baptismal promises. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, so that's the first one. Again, that's normatively um, on the the morning of Holy Thursday. So, interestingly, um, well, moving on then that that evening we have the Mass of the Lord's Supper, and Lent at sundown on Holy Thursday is when Lent, as a distinct liturgical season, formally ends, and we begin the Sacred Triduum, the, the Sacred Three Days um, that begin at sundown. And this can be like, well, what, what what three days are they? Well, this it's it's starts again at sundown on Thursday and it goes through Sunday. So it's, you know, it's not like it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's right. not Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's Thursday evening through Sunday. Um, right. No. So Father, your parish is uh, in the Newman Center tomorrow. There is no Thursday daily mass. The, the, the mass of the day is the evening mass. Right. The mass of the Lord's Supper, the evening mass of the Lord's Supper. In fact, um, so people, you know, checking, uh, are there any other Mass times, you know, on Thursday? And uh, it's, nope, it's the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. Right. And so, I mean, you know, I'm not blaming them for not knowing or something like that. But again, it's just uh, that it's the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, so it's, you can't you can't hold this at two in the or noon or something because it's got you to be. Should a not. I mean, so technically you could. Yeah. Yeah. But you should not. Right. So, so this mass, um, uh, two things in in particular uh, that that we commemorate in a special way. Uh, my my recollection is um, the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the the priesthood of the new covenant. Um, and 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 we see that the interesting one of the interesting things about this mass to me, Father, um, we read in, in the first reading from Exodus and the second reading from First Corinthians, we get the Eucharistic dimension, but then the gospel is from John's account 
at the Last Supper. And John doesn't give the the words of consecration, the institution narrative of the Eucharist like Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. When he part of his what he gives as part of his, the the Last Supper discourses that Jesus gave, uh, it, and that what we focus on at Mass is the washing of the feet. So referencing the the dimension of service, which he as our Savior uh, embodies, and which in a particular way we're all called to do, but in a particular way, you as as the ordained clergy um, are called to be uh, servants of, of others in a particular way. Is that is that about right? Uh, yes, although I think, I mean, we, we can sometimes just overemphasize the service aspect and forget that the washing of the feet was also an ordination uh, ritual of our Lord to the Twelve. There you go. Um, that in uh, uh, the book, he's preparing them to offer the sacrifice uh, that he's about to to offer of himself in an unbloody way uh, through the first Eucharist. Um, the uh, uh, the Old Testament priests, the Levites, they would wash their hands and their feet uh, before they would enter into uh, the place of sacrifice. Right. And so there's an echo there with what happens with... Well, a pretty direct quote even, not just an echo, but I think a pretty direct quote by our Lord in that sense of saying, you know, look, this is a way to understand what is happening to you. And especially for uh, Jewish men, in that way, they would pretty easily and rapidly recognize that as an ordination-style action. So again, there's that, that emphasis on uh, the, the the Eucharist, the Mass, and in order to have the Mass, you need to have uh, a, a priest of the New Covenant, and so we have the institution of the priesthood as well then. Right. right. Um, and so it, it just takes forward that... Uh, that dimension of Christ, that he's preparing them for his own sacrifice, and that what he does in the Last Supper is a way to uh, maintain and perpetuate access to his one sacrifice throughout all of time. Exactly. So, And, and he says, and, and, and Paul quotes it in, 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 in 1 Corinthians, and again we read it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do this in memory of me. So the Last Supper is sort of the, the prototype of the Mass. Um, and, and and we don't have time to get into a lot of the, the Eucharistic theology, but that, that connection between the Last Supper then and what happens on Good Friday and then the resurrection uh, Easter morning, um, all again, reflected in the way that we celebrate liturgically, it's all part of this triduum, these, these holy three days, um, these three events historically tied very much together, and we celebrate them together in that way. Right. An interesting note in this regard is that uh, the Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper doesn't end in a sense. It kind of right. ends without an end. Yep. Just kind of stops. So what do you mean? What, what do you, well, of course, it, it, it does. I mean, people leave church, so what do you mean by it? Does it... What I mean by that is uh, that uh, there's no final blessing. There's no dismissal. Uh, instead, there is uh, just, it concludes in silence. Or and then the Good Friday uh, liturgy of the Lord's Passion doesn't begin like a normal mass does. It doesn't begin with the sign of the cross. Right. It just begins with uh, the priest uh, and ministers coming in in silence and prostrating themselves uh, on the ground. Yeah, there's no greeting on Good Friday either, is there? The right. Lord, it just it begins is, with the yeah, open... right. So the priest comes in, lies prostrate, and then says, "Let us pray." Yeah. 
And it also doesn't have the dismissal at the end no. either. Yeah. It has a blessing, a yep. prayer over the people and a blessing, but no, the Mass has ended, the service has ended, go in peace, just a depart in silence. Yep. So this idea that it's one long prayer, and again, this is, as you were talking about there, that Eucharistic theology of the Church, that uh, the Eucharist, the Mass, is not just about the Last Supper is not just about good, Holy, not just about Good Friday, the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. It's about, uh, and it's not just about the resurrection. It's all three together at once. Yep. So with so the way that Mass typically ends is there's a procession um, where, where the priest and other ministers back to Holy Thursday. No, oh, sorry, Holy Thursday, um, where the priest take and, and other ministers process out with the with our Lord. I think in, not in a monstrance, is it? I think it's in a, a sabor, saborium. Typically, just in a saborium. Yep. You're correct. Yeah. And and so saborium being a a, a noble container in which the Blessed Sacrament is reserved inside the tabernacle. And so this is the point where literally the priest carries Jesus out of the church and he's placed in another sort of temporary uh, temporary what what are we I don't know, not altar reservation chapel Re- place to be reserved until yeah. uh, the mysteries are over right so what we, so from that point on when we you know typically and, and you see sometimes confusion about this um, when we normally go into church we genuflect towards Jesus a, 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 a genu- gesture of adoration towards Jesus in the tabernacle this is why pe- you, you people see people just bowing towards the altar because um, if, if the tabernacle is in the main main uh, worship space uh, Jesus is not present in the tab- tabernacle any longer he's been removed from that space cute story alert yes okay so cute story on this is my uh, little niece uh, one year goes in on Good Friday and she you know goes to put her fingers in the holy water and there's no holy water there and she goes and uh, she looks and sees that the statues of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph are covered up as uh, during the Passion Tide and she looks and she sees uh, looks for the tabernacle and sees nothing there and she's like mom our church is falling apart <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's course, awesome. It's all the cuter because she was actually looking for those things. Right. Do you Roughly how old was she? Do you know? Do you remember? Oh, still quite young, maybe three or four. Okay. That's awesome. That's great. So, so um, that's how we end things, and oftentimes, many many churches will have a, a time for an hour or two after mass for for people to adore Jesus in that temporary uh, reservation chapel. Um, but but then, so so that's 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 Holy Thursday, uh, and and then we move to Good Friday, and, and we already talked about how there's no formal beginning or end. But the other thing about the Good Friday liturgy, and this is coming back to a comment I made earlier, this is the only. Um, this is the only day of the year when there is no mass. Right. Uh, it, it's it's not the Good Friday Mass. It's it's the liturgy, or some people say worship service, but it's the liturgy uh, that we celebrate on Good Friday, where we have the the John's account of the Passion is proclaimed. We have the prayers of uh, intercessions that are made. There's the veneration of the cross, and we do receive communion. But there is not the offering, the representation of Jesus's sacrifice in Calvary. Uh, there's no words of institution, uh, the dimensions that make the Mass the Mass are not present um, at the Good Friday Liturgy. And there shouldn't be any other Masses or things on that day. There shouldn't be, uh, if necessary, there can be a burial, but not a funeral Mass, uh, certainly not a wedding on that day or on Holy Saturday. Um, 
And so certainly marked out for a special attention that way by the church. Right, right. And this is, you know, I mean, often you know, many people, of course, are working so on, but sometimes the parishes, some parishes will offer um, the liturgy Friday evening. Um, so, so if you're able to take, even if you're not able to take part, though, still, it's a it's a particularly solemn day, so mm-hmm. we're, we're we're asked to uh, not just abstain from meat as we are all Fridays of Lent, but we're also asked to fast in a particular way, uh, as we were on Ash Wednesday. Correct. To 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 commemorate um, what Jesus did for each and every one of us, and for all of us, um, nearly two thousand years ago. You know, and you use the phrase as we did on Ash Wednesday, but really Ash Wednesday is more of a. a a looking at and looking towards Good Friday yeah. than it is anything of its own. Right. Yes, exactly. Yep, absolutely. So um, anything, well, I guess we either even with the, the evening uh, Mass of the Lord's Supper or, or Good Friday, any particular takeaway, Father, that you think we should, as we're preparing to celebrate it, or if depending on when people are listening to this, in the midst of the Triduum, um, things to keep in mind as we're going through this time on these, these two days in particular? I think it's a time to uh, stretch your heart to make internal acts in this way, uh, internal actions of faith, internal actions of hope, internal actions of love. Um, you know, uh, sometimes the word pious, uh, we don't understand or use the word pious that often, but it's certainly a time for actions of piety in this way to uh, uh even to uh, to pray, uh, there's a great line from St. Ignatius Loyola where he talks about praying as if one had great fervor. <laughs> yeah. You know, because uh, again, I mean, sometimes we think, oh, the saints, they always have fervor or something like that. But no, they, they don't always have fervor. And sometimes you just have to pray as if you had great fervor. Right, right. And so I think this would be certainly one of those times to pray as if you had great fervor. And of course, many parishes will will also, not all, and it's not required, of course, but will also have um, Stations of the Cross mm-hmm. Friday evening and even a, a Tenebrae service. Uh, mm-hmm. um, a, 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 I don't think it's a formal liturgy, is it, Father? Well, Tenebrae is a formal liturgy because it involves the Office of Readings and Morning Prayer. Oh, there we go. Okay, so uh, candles that are slowly being, being extinguished in their their readings, as, as Father just said, from Liturgy of the Hours, hours uh, as part of that. So some parishes are able to do that, others are not, um, for all sorts and of reasons. And the word reasons. Tenebrae comes from the word uh, dark. Yep. Latin word for dark, and so in some ways it's uh, uh, kind of a, a, a prayer waiting for the darkness, in a sense, or waiting for the dawn, actually, more appropriately. Yep. So, some people do it in the evening, but it, it comes from monastics areas where they would actually do it in the morning. Okay. Uh, and you do it before dawn, and so you're extinguishing the candles, and you start out in the darkness with only the candles illuminating, and then as you proceed, then uh, the dawn uh, slowly begins to, to come in. Okay, interesting. So that's that's Good Friday, um, and then we move to sort of, uh, I don't know, in some ways, the uh, Holy Saturday is, I don't know, for lack of a better word right now, interesting in that it's definitely a time of waiting. You know, there's no there's no Mass during the day. Uh, is there? There's never any, nope. yep, never allowance for any. No, there's, no co- there's no reason, no uh, possibility. You know, Someone might violate that possibility, but there's not supposed to be any mass. Right there, there is no, there's no mass specific to that day. During the day, um, what we have is in the evening after sundown, uh, the 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 Easter vigil. Um, so one of the, to me, one of the most beautiful masses uh, in the church here, where we celebrate in a particular way the, the resurrection, because the resurrection happened at night, early Sunday morning, uh, and, and just the way practically that 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 works out is we celebrate it after sundown 
sundown on Holy Saturday. But Father, I, I love I love the Easter Vigil. For several years, we've been taking um, our young children, even even the last with the last couple, um, when they were newborns, to this to this mass. And there's there's all the re, where we get this the the entire tapestry of the 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 the, the richness of salvation history and God, how God has been at work from the beginning of time to to create and then to save mankind in a particular way through the people of Israel and then in its fullness with the coming of Jesus. And so we have all these these Old Testament readings and there's they don't all, don't all have to be read, but there are seven of them with a corresponding psalm. And then I think a, a letter uh, for a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans and then the resurrection accounts from the Gospels. It's a beautiful mass. A lot we could say about it. What 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 do you think is worth highlighting today? I think in some ways it's kind of the Easter Mass par excellence. Yeah. Um, it takes a little patience to get through it, though. <laughs> um, just if, you, if, if you're used to, you know, uh, Father 40-minute, um, maybe you're able to get like a, a really brief Mass or something like that. But no, it's um, it's not going to be a quick uh, uh, Mass. There is a lot to it yep. in that way. And it comes from, again, monastic settings, monastic roots, where you have that leisure of time. Uh, that maybe we don't have in our normal day-to-day life, but it's a good thing to take some leisureliness about. Right, right, to celebrate this. And it begins, to me, I love how it starts with um, the the lighting, the blessing and lighting of the Easter candle, and then especially when it's done in dark, as, as it's intended to be to be uh, said, this Mass, um, with the, the the spreading of the candlelight throughout the church as, as the, as for those of us who are participating, as the candles that we have are lit. Many, most parishes will will do it that way. And that's just a powerful imagery of the light of the world, you know, Jesus dying on the cross, but now in the resurrection, the power of that bursting forth and, and literally the light of the world spreading uh, around the world for the last 2000 years. Right. And, and the whole idea of faith as an enlightenment. Yes. Yes. We're, the light shining into the darkness, which we, we, we obviously we think of that oftentimes at Christmas, but this in a particularly powerful way, it's the resurrection that we where we really celebrate that. So, Father, we right. got about two and a half minutes left. What else from the the, the Easter Vigil Mass? Well, I think uh, this in the Easter Vigil and in the Mass of Easter Day, but the idea of the uh, renewing of baptismal promises and its importance in the Christian life, I think it'd be good just to think on that a little bit. Um. Again, this in some ways is what Lent is supposed to be leading us towards. Right. Is the, the renewing, renewing of our baptismal promises. And so it's, it's worth paying attention to it. It's not just kind of a, a side dish on Easter. Yeah, so even if, you know, this is when um, oftentimes adults will come into the church, maybe baptized, confirmed, First Holy Communion. Um, but, but even if there aren't any, even if there are for the rest of us, we do renew our baptismal promises. So remembering what we have cast aside um, and what we are turning towards. And then that we all need that renewing of, uh, of promises and vows on our part to, to recommit ourselves to them again. I also um, the other th- one of the other things about this the, the the vigil mass the litany of saints is often sung especially when they're uh, th- that's a powerful part of this liturgy to me too. The idea of the uh, the communion throughout the ages and you are a stranger and a sojourner no longer. Yes, and it's yeah just a beautiful thing especially when we're bringing new people into the communion of saints receiving the sacraments of initiation. 
Um, Easter Sunday, I think, Father, in some ways, people are a little surprised because in many ways, uh, we, uh, there, there's the renewal of promises um, and uh, the, oftentimes the sprinkling with holy water. But other than that, it's a normal Mass, Sunday Mass, mm-hmm. um, which I think throws people off. Although the Christmas Mass is a normal Mass. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think it only maybe throws you off if you've been to the other yeah. uh, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and you kind of, or even Palm Sunday. Yep. Yep. Which yep. for most people's experience of it is one of the the fullest or longest masses they have ever. But I think it, with all of these, whatever you participate in, even if if, if your schedule only allows you to participate in Easter Sunday, just make this a time of prayer and entering into mm-hmm. His Father, as you said earlier, those 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 um, internal acts of of piety and truly entering into uh, the season, prom- renewing our baptism promises, uh, celebrating the resurrection. And with that, we will wrap this episode of Ignition, uh, wrap it up, bring it to a close, however you want to conclude it. Uh, Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, we love listener feedback. So uh, if you have anything, any questions from this episode, any ideas for future episodes, email me, cbergwald, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D, at sfcatholic.org. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.